Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Welcome back to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast. I'm your host, Eric Helberg, and you know on this show, we preach what Einstein preached. We have no special talents. We are just passionately curious about all things men. How in the hell did we get here? And where is it that we plan on going? And what direction are we taking to get there? See, a little bit different today probably notice I'm regulating my breath. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not afraid of it. Just finished running sprints. This is actually podcast number two for the day. If you remember in my last episode, my ruck march got called short because my dogs broke out. And I told you, I interspersed that stuff with interval sprinting and other things. Okay. So I just ran through my middle pasture and just ran 10 hundred yard sprints. I needed to balance it out wasn't enough this morning. I feel very content right now. We are at satiety. What does it take for you to reach satiety? What makes you feel full? What makes you satisfied? It's different for everyone. And there's no condemnation here. My job and if I were to be privy to something going on with you, you know how much stuff I've been through? How much stuff I've contended with? I told y'all episode one, maybe two. I'm only going to speak about things I have direct, direct experience with or know directly through another either. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Been through it myself. Let's get back to that purpose. I've been right there. I've been without purpose after having what I perceive to be enormous purpose. And I achieved great worldly success with that purported purpose. But it created havoc in my personal life. So I started adapting, just in my own fleshly way. I didn't know how to get out of it. But nonetheless, sometimes you only know what you know. And so you plod ahead, and you cut, and you tweak, and you improvise. Okay, as to point number two that I laid out there in the last episode, uh, personal sacrifice, I can honestly say I don't quite remember an instance whereby there was a power play, where I was put in a position whereby I needed to forego power, And a whole other lifetime ago, I mean, uh, I ran nursing homes, my wife ran hospitals, executive, lots of employees, troubleshooter for a nursing home chain, all that good stuff. But no, mm -mm. what got me kicked out of corporate America was standing up for the lesser guy. Um, I loved my residents and I loved my employees. If it doesn't quite square with a big for-profit, a nursing home entity, well, 
you get in a fight with corporate counsel, you're gone. So that would that would go back to monetary sacrifice. And I'll tell you another one on that. Back in 2010 or so, I just had three of my biggest years in the commercial asset recovery business. My biggest client at that time was Key Equipment Finance. They had begged me for a few years to cover the nation in its entirety up until 07 or so. I I was a fool. Let's just go back. I was a fool. I wouldn't adjust. I wouldn't become more and more efficient simply because I thought that I had to have my stamp on every piece of work out there. So I limited my territory and I ran like a dog and lived like a dog and chased these people in four states, occasionally a fifth or a sixth. In fact, it was so crazy that I probably would have lost my wife and my little girl at that time. I wasn't around. I was trying to prove that I was the baddest mofo in that industry. Guess what? I was. But what's the baddest mofo if he's alone? So I adjusted. I tweaked. You only know what you know, right? We bought a big RV. My daughter hadn't even started kindergarten yet. We start cruising around the country, man. So for two years, yes, we still had a couple of rent houses at that time, still had our primary residence, but we hit the road. And I mean, they've assisted me in so many different repossessions, helped me out of a lot of different predicaments. You know, my daughter liked hot dogs on the road. She's thrown voluminous amounts of weenies out and distracted many a dog as I jumped up on the running boards and quickly entered and got inside 18 wheelers to help her daddy out. So I can honestly say in this industry, my wife has repossessed more commercial equipment than most of these jokers who profess to have any type of acumen in the industry. It's just true. So on that footnote, I keep getting approached by a couple of clients. They want me to cover the nation in in its entirety for them. And Rox was really helping with the business at that time. And we said, well, let's go for it. I had a good relationship with one lady out of Houston. And I put together a contract. Maybe it was out of fear. And that was what was holding me up. Fear that what was done on my behalf would not be as good as what I actually produced when I was in the field. But really, I think that was some type of mind, mind bad construction that's not even grammar. I just couldn't release that in myself. That was my own inadequacies. I couldn't let go. I needed control over that. And it was to our own detriment. The end result ended up being I put together the largest contract on all this Um, All these accounts that have been what we would call charge-offs, to put it simply, in the litigation queue, stuff that was deemed unrecoverable. No one else in the industry, all my competitors, all the big ones, they couldn't get it. And whereby they had deemed that there was still appreciable value and it was cost-effective to go fetch, I put a number out there for nationwide work that was more expensive than any of anything ever paid in the industry. 
And you know what? They agreed. But now I had to produce. And produce I did. We took care of every bit of that over the next three years. It was a bountiful harvest. And then, what did I do? I let my ego get the best of me. Came time for contract renegotiation. I thought I was it. I was limited. I was full of hubris. I had the success to demonstrate it. I lost a contract. But that was simply the product of inadequacy and insecurity and a need to be recognized. Corporate America doesn't give up. You know what about that? They just want to save money. And they figured they'd go in a different direction. Okay, that was my own fault. Where else did I give up something like that? I screwed that up. My mistake. All right, let's go back to when I was still really running and gunning. I mean, I've trickled through a variety of different clients since. I'm still the internal adjuster of a, um, of a large chain of dealerships. I'll leave those guys unnamed. And so that's always remained steady. But let's go to another cycle. Go to 2014 running through 2017. At that time, it was still uh, General Electric, GE, huge behemoth of a company, massive um, asset management queue, hundreds of, hundreds of millions of dollars worth, maybe, in, maybe in over a billion, I don't know. Um, what I didn't know at that time, because it took me about a year, year and a half to get boarded with them, their attorney had out of New York had sent me this retention agreement contract that basically indemnified GE, made them have no liability no matter what transpired, meaning they could give me the worst information in the world. I could go out and encounter God knows what. And whatever ensued as a result of that, I was the one to blame. I said, heck no. I took a risk too. I wanted that client bad because pickings were kind of slim in the industry at that time. And I had found so much of their equipment over the years and simply said, here it is to try to ingratiate myself with them. Nada, those incestuous relationships run deep and they were deeply committed with their vendors at that time. I'll let you do the thinking on that. So we get to something agreeable and we are off to the races. What I didn't know is, is they gave me complete autonomy and carte blanche to cover the state of California for them. Well, California is extremely varied. There's a lot going in and out of there. You got the containers at the ports, you even have some oil production. You get down around Bakersfield and all that. A lot of people don't even realize that. You've got all the trucking traffic coming from Otay, which is down south of Chula Vista and crossing over into um, Mexico near Tijuana. And you've got all the produce. I mean, I don't know another state that maybe maybe Texas now, but California probably still is the breadbasket of the country. And what people don't realize is if you're about 100 trucks or less, it's all primarily done by Indian truckers, meaning Indians from the Punjab province of India that all came over in the 50s and have just settled into that industry. And uh, that's, that's who hauls your food. 
what I didn't know at that time was General Electric was considering a sale to Bank of Montreal, BMO Harris Bank, actually out of Canada, really prolific up in the north and uh, Midwest, um, big bank. And they needed that portfolio, especially out there, because that particular ethnic group had just given them fits. I mean, there was equipment that had gone missing for forever. And so they gave me autonomy. It's a male-dominated culture. Networks are paramount. Man, got in there, found out who's who, what's what. We cleaned house. Well, what I started noticing over about the last year or so was how payments were rendered. And then based upon our own retention agreements and contracts, they wanted to pay you less. Um, when people paid instead of having their equipment repossessed, that was supposed to be less. For me, a deal was a deal. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Was I supposed to be like any other vendor and be so enamored with this big giant of an asset management group that I'm going to let them do whatever they want to me? Well, most of them do. Most of them did. And most of them always will. I did the same with PACAR, the owner of Peterbilt Trucks. Is that something to feel good about? Uh, lost me about a million and a half dollars a year back in 2017. That was a lot of money before all this phony baloney money came into the system and rates were artificially suppressed. That was real money. So for a sole operator like me, we were really getting it. But by standing up for myself, I went ahead and was willing to forego it all. And you know what? When you stand up to those big behemoths, they can swatch you off like a fly on the back of a horse. Yes, there you see. I stood up for my convictions at my own demise. Looking back, am I proud of it? Hmm. Yeah, I'm still proud of it. Have I taken a lot of shit and angst over it? Have we had to adapt in new ways? You better believe it. That's a tough one to explain to the people around you. Absolutely it is. But I, here's what I would do today. And this is what I'm going to end this with. Allow me to read this to you. It's really interesting because this was said by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, our longstanding Supreme Court Justice who passed away in the, in the last several years. And no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, we know she was general counsel for the ACLU, been involved in all kinds of controversial stuff. But she said something super poignant. She said, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. That is the ability that I lacked. If you slighted me, if you made me feel less than, that's where I made you pay. And you know what I ended up doing? I ended up paying. So take the advice of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and build alliances. Stand up for yourself and be smart. It will be worth the extra effort. Hold that thought. Until next time.
on the Comfortable in Chaos podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg. Subscribe if you like this message. I'm looking forward to visiting again with you soon. Thank you. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast.